Hello, my name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Domini Drew. I am your host, Domini Drew. I am so, so glad to have you back in this space. Welcome, welcome. If you have followed the show for quite some time, you know that this is a space where I get to geek out about all of the secrets to working out your mindset, working out your old emotional traumatic shit, working out how your energy works, working out how you're achieving the things that you want, and most importantly, how you are blocking yourselves from the things that you desire but haven't achieved yet. That's really my favorite place to be. And I love to have guests on the show, particularly guests who have mastered one realm or another, whether it's in their inner world or their outer world. Obviously, both are pretty much the same thing. And I'm joined today by a guest I am very, very excited about. This is Jason Miller. Jason honestly runs more businesses than I even know about. So I'm going to let him introduce himself because there's there's like so much even going on. But I'm really, really excited to have him here. Jason is in my uh, inner circle. He's somebody I consider uh, a mentor. I don't know if you even know that yet. But to me, you're someone that really walks that line between um, being in that traditional level of success and also really looking for more than that. This kind of redefining success that I've been uh, really interested in lately. And so I'm very excited to hear your perspective on that and a bunch of things. Jason Miller, thank you so much for coming and welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. We all have the same 168 and you're going to take the same you know, hour that I'm going to. So that means something too. So thank you for having me on the show. And uh, it's a privilege to be here for sure. Mm, glad to have you. Glad to have you. So can you give me a little rundown of kind of what you even consider yourself if someone says, okay, what's your field of expertise or your area of genius? What would you like to share about yourself that you want people to know? Well, so the easiest way to put it is I'm I'm a collaborator, right? So love that. I put pieces together and make them perform at their their maximum capacity. You know, I'm very good at putting the right people in the right seats on the bus to get the right result. And it's not necessarily me. It's just, uh, you know, I believe in, you know, we can't do everything and we can only be good at about two or three things. Like really freaking good at two or three things. And that's where I've focused pretty much everything that I do is just being good at two or three things and then bring in the people that are really good at what they do into the mix of it, right? So creating companies that support all this cross-functional activity that happens, and that's what creates you know, generational wealth, right? Is that, is you can't try to do it all yourself. You have to have a team, 
right? And, you know, if you go into, just as a, a dramatic example here of, of how I see this in my head, if I was going to go in and get heart surgery and there was two, two uh, operating rooms and I peeked in one and it's just a doctor and then I peeked in the other one and it's a doctor and a whole staff. I'm picking the one with the doctor and the whole staff all day. Because teams are what make things successful. And that's where I have been able to just focus on the areas I love to focus on in the consulting world. And have built a global firm that runs with the likes of Bain and McKinsey. So that's where, you know, we do things differently than them. But the point is, is I've surrounded myself with a great team that's really good at what they do. And I'm really good at what I do. And then I've created 13 other companies that feed into that whole thing. Hmm. Those companies are the companies that bring it all together. And many others too. I just, I'm not involved in every company that, that we outsource to or whatever the case may be. But I took the most needed things and created companies around those most needed things and built those companies up. And now they service our clients as consultants. And the key to that, I know I can trust them. <laughs> right? Right? Huge, huge in business. Huge. It's huge yeah. Business, right? So I know the guy that owns them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the second part of it, right? <laughs> and all those people were hand-selected by me. Yeah. So, So, you know, that's a really long answer around to what I do, but that is the basics of it is it's a ton of collaborate. It's a ton of, you know, putting blocks together, putting pieces together, putting the right people in the right rooms together, all those kind of things, and creating the staff functions that support all of that. And that's where you get the 14 companies from. It's all that. Were you a Lego kid when you were young? Not Legos, Lincoln Logs. Lincoln Logs, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. This is good. This is good. Yeah. It's it's fascinating though, isn't it? How like the skills that we that we have, like as you said, everybody's got sort of two or three really intensely natural, I would say, uh, effortless skills. And that tracks with my experience as well. So I love that, you know, if you were like, I'm, I'm, I haven't been really good at packing, which is good because I travel a shitload, but I'm, I'm like really good at packing the car. Like I can get a bunch of stuff in a car that you would never imagine would think. And it's like, it's like, Billy, it was like play from playing Tetris when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, I was really good at that. And now I can like pack the, pack the car really well. So who says these are useless skills that we're building when we're, when we were little? So the collaboration piece, so it sounds like your, your skill is around collaborating and also sensing a person's role and fitting them in like a puzzle piece. Yeah. When you think about it, right? Everything in life is about people. All of it. The world runs off of people. People is what fuel this world. And if you put the right few people in the right places, it's fireworks, right? Because they love what they do. You know, you're not trying to cram Billy in the spot that Suzanne should be the one that really is supposed to be doing that job. Yeah. 
And oftentimes people just put the wrong people in the wrong spaces. It has nothing to do with they can't, they're not rock stars. They would be freaking rock stars if you went (laughs) and you just flipped them over. And now they're, holy shit, they're rock stars now. Yeah. So it's about knowing where to put the right people and then how to use people in the right way to where they really feel fulfilled in what they do. And they, they want to rock it. They want to be a rock star. They'll be your biggest freaking cheerleader. Right. And once you do that, I mean, it's, you know, things just grow naturally at that point. Hmm. You know, it's no longer difficult anymore. And, and like, I consider my life a life of service, right? Served in the military for 23 years and retired. And then I left that and continued. I had a bunch of businesses before that, even when I was in the military. But I just continued that service mentality, right? Out in the business world. And I don't necessarily even consider myself a business person, really. I mean, I consider myself a vessel to business and a vessel to others. But for me, the I love the strategy piece of things. That's where I have my, that's where my passion is. Mm. Don't ask me to check emails or try to upload some new software right before a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right? That's not going to work out. My brain doesn't function that. My brain just always functions in, you know, like you see on the movies where, Somebody gets a head injury and then all of a sudden they can start to see numbers and stuff like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of like that with strategy. I kind of can see and visualize the like long-term pathways and all these different things. And I don't know why I got given that gift, but I'm glad I did. And, you know, it suited me really well through the military. And for many years, I thought that was my life, you know? That was my superpower. And I excelled in that for 20 plus years. But then I wanted more. I knew that there had to be more. And I wanted to scale everything I'd been doing in the military already, business-wise. And that's what I did. And you know, now we're a global consulting firm in our sixth year. Hmm. So... It's been an amazing ride, for sure. And not all easy either. A lot of shit sandwiches along the way. Yeah. (laughs) Which, to be fair, you were probably more than the average entrepreneur, probably better adept to to deal with because of your time in the military, I imagine. As far as resilience, strategy, you had probably coping mechanisms by that point. Well, I look at it this way. I don't care what business you run, it's going to be hard. Right. If you come into any business venture thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to follow what this guy or this gal did or whatever, and I'm just going to copy their model and do all this and that. Business is about people too. Just because it works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. Yeah. Better be willing and ready to get kicked in the fucking head a few times Mm. and knocked down more than a few times. (laughs) And that's the problem with when people think it's easy 
And then they get kicked down and, you know, in the dirt a couple of times. And that's why businesses fail, right? Yeah. Because they're not willing to, it's easier to go back and get a paycheck, right? Yeah. Yeah. Than it is to sit there and get kicked like a wounded dog all day. Yeah. (laughs) I know. You sort of, you sort of see the, the often really large returns, financial returns, or like the freedom of time of entrepreneurship. And you're like, oh man. And then you just think about the the flip side. We were talking about this before we hit record today about like how how things look from the outside versus how they they really are on the inside. And this is a really important thing. And and for up and coming entrepreneurs as well, it's like you know to 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 know that what you see on the outside is you know how people are projecting themselves. And there's elements of truth, but not you know not the whole package there. Well, it's like I always say, I don't care what company it is. You go pull that curtain open you're going to find some chaos. Mm-hmm. No doubt. It doesn't matter. My neighbor, he's an ex-CEO of Oracle. And, you know, that's a big, I think they're a Fortune 50, 50 or 100, one of the two. And, uh, you know, he's just constant chaos. Yeah. When he was the CEO there, right? But, and you have to be able to deal with that every as a CEO. Otherwise, you're going to get your ass kicked, mm. right? And you, you, you just, you have to be able to compartmentalize things. You have to be able to, when the shit hits the fan, you deal with it. And I always tell business owners, you better get a short-term memory. Mm. You have to have a short-term memory because today all the shit went wrong and you got it under control and you fixed it. When you walk out that door at the end of the day, you better hit control, alt, delete. Because you can't take that shit up to your family. You can't take it to the next day. None of that. You have to have a short-term memory and just go, fuck it. That was yesterday and it's over. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about how you do that? Because I I agree. I think that's a really important thing and something that I might teach if somebody was having that issue coming to me. Can you just share with the audience like how you managed to do that? Was that always easy for you or was there a trick to it that you learned? I think it's compartmentalization. Right. You learn that pretty quick after a couple of combat tours. Yeah, I imagine so. On how to compartmentalize things and, and, and be able to, cause you have to set it aside. You might be out on a patrol and, you know, you watch a bullet go through a buddy's neck. Right. But at that moment, there's 50 other people to worry about yeah. at that moment. And you, you can't just stop the show and go, time out, right? It doesn't work like that. You have to just put it aside. That shit happened, right? Mm. And now how do I make sure it doesn't happen to two or three more, right? And then, so business is the same thing. It's no different. Something happens in your business and the shit hits the fan at 10 a.m. And now you got to spend the next five or six hours trying to unwind that mess. But once you unwind the mess and it's dealt with, you got to tuck it back into the the today calendar, right? And then tomorrow's a new day. So you flush the calendar, right? Mm. (laughs) Right? I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I try to do. I always tell my wife that once a week, I got to take a pressure washer to my brain. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to ask because there's that that compartmentalization can get incredibly useful, right? Incredibly useful tool. A lot of people do that 
on autopilot, like without really meaning to. They sort of just like, you know, great way of dealing with with discomfort. Have you ever? Did you need to go through a process of learning how to re, how to uncompartmentalize? Have you ever done that? I don't know. I think at this point, I just don't have a soul. (laughs) That is the ultimate result of that. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but that's that's pretty much. Yeah. I can see yours, actually. It's there. It's just like sort of like shriveled up and dried up and just soulless. Uh, It's like like light orange. (laughs) (laughs) Like a dust bunny, kind of like behind the curtain. You know what I mean? It's like dust bunnies in the corner. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, but I think after a while, it just, you just get immune to it all, right? You, You just get so, you know, used to, you know, something's gonna happen today. And if you got a big enough operation, something's going to happen. Something's happen every day. <laughs> yes. Right. Every yeah. single day, something's going to happen. When you're a really small business owner, the, you know, maybe once a week something goes wrong or this, that, or the other. It's on a different scale of things. But, but when every day you got to deal with a shit sandwich, I think you just, you just get used to it. Mm. Right. I like to tell this story. Like in the military, the first combat tour you ever do, it's like all day long. You're like, right? You're just like hypersensitive to everything that's happened. Yeah. By about the third, shit, you're walking with a Coke and drinking (laughs) weapons swung on your back. There's rockets flying over, you know, all this stuff going on. It's like, yeah, get up. Let's go. Come on. That's going to hit like, 50 meters away. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's amazing the human capacity for adaptation, isn't it? I have this theory that like one of the reasons our planet goes like is as kind of as fucked as it is, or or we are as fucked as we are, is that like uh is that we're so adaptable. Because like it's gone up a couple degrees and we're like, that's oh, fine. We'll just like sell the Florida house and you know, move to Montana. It'll be it'll be cool, or get some oceanside property in Atlanta or you know, whatever. And, and I think that, meanwhile, like millions of species are going extinct because half a difference makes a big fucking deal. And so I feel like it's, it's our, almost our adaptability, even the, the technology, the addiction to phones, things like that. It's like we're so, we're so adaptable. We could kind of make whatever work in so many ways that I feel like a lot of things are, are changing in ways that we would have stopped earlier if we couldn't adapt that much. Yeah, that's right. We have to be adaptable, right? You want to run a fun test. For adaptability, I did this four months ago. I never found it either. <laughs> after, never. I did, after I did it, I was like, why the fuck did I do this? Right? You never found your, your results? I, no, my phone. Oh. <laughs> I literally chucked my phone off the mountain out here one day. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want any more electronics in my life. Were you feeling spontaneous? <laughs> so I chucked it off the mountain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it wasn't very fun because I was having to use my damn computer and shit. <laughs> but it was like a little bit freeing too. Yeah, I bet. I mean, like after I did it, I was like, that was. <laughs> <laughs> but for that one glorious moment. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I got to deal with it now. I could have just went and ordered a new one right away, right? But I didn't. And uh, it was, wasn't a month. It was. Probably only a couple of days. It felt like a month. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing happened to me a couple of months ago. I left my phone at like a train station and I they ended up finding it and I got it back like a week later and I bought a new phone in the meantime. 
But it was amazing. Like, I just like, I was like, okay, there's no phone. So I need to go. And I'm, I'm in France. So, you know, I like speak the language, but like, it's not like perfect. And I'm, and I was okay. So I knew where I was going to go. I got on the computer. I found the map of where I wanted to go. I wrote down the, I was like, this is actually just as easy. We're just used to phones now. <laughs> like, turns out life's actually just as functional without the phone. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what we're just yeah, And it's just like, it, you know, everything in life compares to everything in business too, right? Why do we even have a business in the first place? And I love asking business owners this, is what's the point of even having a business? Hmm. The point is, is we got a business plan, right? And we got a life plan. And that business plan is supposed to support your life. Hmm. But the problem is people do the shit backwards and it ends up this way instead. And that's why the chaos is so high. Family life sucks. All that kind of stuff. I don't know why you're looking at me. None of that's describing my life <laughs> at all. So I don't. I don't know what you're what you're insinuating there. <laughs> <laughs> I see interview it a question. Lot, interview question. <laughs> Definitely see it a lot. Yeah, that's solid. That actually resonates for me. Yeah. And a lot of the, you know, you got to move past some of those barriers really quickly, right? And you know, I think everybody has the capacity to be a business owner, but not everybody has the capacity to be a visionary, right? Those are two very different things. And a lot of people fall on that operational side of things versus the visionary side. And a really great book to figure out which one you are is called Rocket Fuel. Um, it's a great book. And it'll tell you if you're more that operational mind person or the visionary. But Mm. you need to know what you are, right? Because if you're more operationally set into like the integrator role, you probably shouldn't be a CEO. Yeah. So you should find somebody that's more visionary and plop them in that seat and stay in that integrator role even and then you got the still own the company or whatever, but know what your superpowers are and stick with those superpowers. You know, it's kind of like it's impossible to fit 10 pounds of shit in a two pound bag, right? So so don't try to do the same thing in your business either, right? Know your role, know what you're good at and do those things. It's the key. It's a really important thing, isn't it? Especially as you're kind of leveling up in business. And a lot of what you're talking about is resonating for me because I'm at the point now where I'm looking to hire. So I'm like making a note to come back and have a conversation with you about this. And, you know, I I very much am in that visionary role and I've taken on the operations because I was a solopreneur for a long time and I hired for a while and then, and then kind of shifted the structure of the business. But I'm kind of coming back around to that where I'm realizing, especially because, you know, you and I are, are, are in a group that has a couple of like, you know, laws and things that that kind of runs by. One is this law of the architect, right? Where the visionary is the is the architect and it's very important that that's the only role that they're in. And I've really been making massive adjustments since learning that because that's a really key thing when you're when you're running the business and not to step outside of your role. As you said, your, your genius zone, you know, type of thing where you see sort of like things light up like numbers, like a beautiful mind. Like when I'm in my gift, that's what happens for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I sit with a client and they sort of listen, uh-huh, uh-huh, this is what's going on. At some point, the soul speaks and I see that light up and I go, okay, stop right there. And we go straight in and that's where it is every time. It's like, that's, 
I think that in, in some ways, whatever your gift is, I think probably people who are Excel people, that just sort of lights up and they can see that, you know, it's like your, you know, however, your, your own sort of magic kind of comes through. So the idea of connecting that, that, you know, seeing a person's magic and then fitting them into the business where they belong best seems like a really cool endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's put the right faces in the right seats. If you do that, you create almost instant scalability within your company, right? That's why I love time studies. I'm a time study freak. Mm. I do time studies once a quarter myself, and I require all of our clients to do time studies once a month at least. And you'd be amazed what you find out from that. Yeah. Because I believe in, you know, if you run a company and you're the CEO, if you're doing anything tactical, you need to get it off your plate, right? Because that is literally preventing you from innovating. Yeah. Right? So you do these time studies and they suck. You record what you do every 20 minutes for five days. It sucks. And then you go through it and you mark it. Well, that's a tactical task. Shame on you. Right? Okay. Got to offload that. And then visionary or operational or whatever the case may be. And then you offload all that garbage next quarter, you'll have picked up just as much all over. So we tend to love to get ourselves involved in things, right? Yeah. It's human nature, right? To to want to be a part of things and be involved in things and not, not micromanage, that's not what I'm saying, but we want to put ourselves in the mix of things because it's ours, right? So, yeah. But what you have to learn to do is stay the fuck out of it. Yeah. And let the people do do the things that you know you're hired them to do. And there again, it's not that you're micromanaging, but you want to be so much in the process yourself still because you know you love it so much, but it can be taken as micromanagement, even though you don't want it to be. So you gotta just back off from that stuff. And let people do what you paid them to do. And if they're not doing it, that's a different story. But yeah. but be in the role that you're designed to be in. That's the key. This is uh, this is resonating for me on a lot of levels. Partially extensive. It's it's clarifying that that role of the visionary, which is as I said, is is really an, an important essential thing. It's also though similar with our relationship with life. You know, there's a way in which we we try to over do. We're like doers. You know, some people are like overly passive and their defenses go the other direction. But a lot of the people that work with me, they're high performers. So our, our, we have our gifts that you and I are talking about. And when we're threatened, we feel threatened or scared. We use our gifts. We overblow them in order, because that's your strength. If I throw something at you, right, you defend with your dominant arm. It's, it's an instinct. And so you, you, overuse whatever your gift is and you because coming from fear it comes out as a defense and so it's i'm like highly competent i'm like a highly competent person so when so it's a gift of mine and so when i you know go into defense i would like overdo like okay i'm just gonna take care of everything of course that slides right into control (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about who said control and it just, and I'm like, my fingers are in everything because it's a distortion of what I do naturally very well, which is like, I can handle this, right? Like, that's great. And I can, that's gift, wonderful, great. But then I would sort of overdo that. And so 
even just today, it's interesting, I, I received this sort of uh, guidance around get out of the way. <laughs> a thing is happening. I'm birthing something new. I'm stepping into this new version of the business. It's ready to like explode and elevate. And it's like, you know, the, the guidance that came through was get the hell out of the way. It's happening. Like life is happening. And, but we kind of get in the way, talk about micromanaging. The microcosm goes on and we're, our, our fingers are in everything. And so we sort of take this, this view of I need to fix my life or, 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 or do these things. And on the deeper levels, um, that tends to be more of a hindrance than help oftentimes. Yeah. Well, and just to, to follow up with you said, you know, humans like to do, but mm. there is no such a, the word human doesn't have human do, it's human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we step into that true role of human being, right, as leaders, there's always got to be doer, right? No matter what, somebody, we can't all be in charge, right? <laughs> Not everybody can be in charge, otherwise, you know, nothing will ever get done, right? But we empower people to be in charge where they're at. Mm. I love to meet people where they are, not where they're going, right? Because when you meet people where they are today, they, they feel like you're a part of the journey with them, right? You're climbing the mountain with them. You're not standing on the mountain going, Yay, good job. You're doing a good job. I'll be here drinking a beer. You know, right? No, you're right there beside them climbing that mountain. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're dragging them up the mountain. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But that's good leadership, right? Is to, you know, don't tell people to do things that you're not willing to do or you haven't done yourself. Right? It's one of my golden rules anyway. Yeah. They can pretty much, for the most part, do a shadily job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to be dangerous. I like uh, everything in all my companies, I could do it myself if I had. It wouldn't be as efficient or run as well or something like that. But I could do just enough to probably get it by if I had to. Would I do it? Absolutely not. I just hire somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I could if I had to. So, because every endeavor that I've ever been on, I built it by hand myself. And, yeah. And you don't have to do that. I'm not saying go do that and go through all that pain because there's better ways to do it. I'm just a hard headed army guy at the mm -hmm. core of myself. <laughs> and I like to, I like to be able to say, you know, well, hey, Jimmy, I got it, buddy, but I've been there and I know the struggle you're going through because I created the shit. <laughs> so, <right? laughs> and I get it and let me help you get through it. And here's how we get through it. And I'm going to let you make some decisions on the way and you might fall and bust your face, but that's okay. We'll get through it. There's someone in our uh, in the group that we're in, who talks about investing in people. Mm. It's like every you're, you're, you're an investor, whether or not you have money in stocks, you're investing in people. And as you said, it's like you're, you're, you're training, you're using what you've learned, partially mm. from business, but let's be real, mostly from life, as you train these new people 
And, you know, I, I, I wanted to have you on, you know, not exclusively because you're a successful businessman, but because of the way you have created and do continue to create your success, right? That's what I'm most interested in here is like, <clears throat> you know, you prioritize things like ethics, prioritize things like your, your family life, your, your mindset, like how you are. Tell me if any of this is not true. Um, but from what I've learned of you, and that's really what I'm really fascinated with these days is this new paradigm of success. What success is turning into? We know what it used to look like. It was like a great car and a certain amount of money and like some clothes. And like that was like kind of it, except that gave you access to like clubs and things like that, which is cool. Um, and nothing wrong with any of that. And I feel as though it's changing, right? That we're really stepping into this. Okay, cool. I've made a lot of money. Now what? You know, as you said, why are, why are you in business? It might be the same question or it might not. But like, like my question is kind of like, who are you now? You can buy all the things that you want. Now, who are you? Yeah. Well, it all comes down to your why. <laughs> right? Why did you even do it in the first place? You know? I mean, I'm, uh, I'm very much of a faith, family, du- duty, honor, country. I mean, that's my philosophy of things is that, right? I don't consider myself a highly religious person necessarily. You know, I'm not a church goer, I'm none of that kind of stuff, but I still I I believe in faith. I believe that you know it's got to be something out there, right? But, it's actually a great way of putting it that I don't actually hear people say very often is I be- that I believe in God, I believe in faith. That's actually pretty fucking solid. Yeah, I I do. I believe in faith and and those things and there's something there. If you want to choose who that is for you, you know, fill your boots, whatever. I don't got nothing against you. But there's the faith, then there's the family. The family is everything. Mm. Why, why are we even here on the planet if we don't have... What is that mechanism that we get to latch on to, right, every day? I mean, I got four kids, so two of them are adults and two of them are three and six, so... <laughs> So I had a midlife crisis. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least I didn't buy a Corvette. <laughs> that we know of. But <laughs> wow. hand over those photos on your phone. Let's just take a look and see. <laughs> Approximately four to seven years ago. <laughs> Might have been a Shelby Cobra. I was going to say, maybe it just wasn't a vet. You're like, oh, I went straight for the Ferrari. Let's be real. Let's be real. If we're going to do it, go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the family to me, that that's the core of everything that is duty on our country, right? And the family is at the core of that. And the business is just the, de- it's just the design to support that. Right? Mm-hmm. And my goal is not money for me. My goal is money for, you know, the people that are in my hundred foot circle, right? That's what matters. You know, four kids, three grandbabies, my parents, sister, you know, everybody that's in my influence, that's family. And then on my wife's side, of course, but but those are the things that matter. And to me, that's why I do what I do. It's not about me. I'm a really simple dude. I mean, 
I mean, I don't drive expensive vehicles. I have a 1997 Geo Tracker. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so with a snowplow. <laughs> That's what I drive around, right? Because to me, all the material things do nothing for me, but I do mm. like I got a lot of guns. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's your weakness. That's kind of my thing. Right? <laughs> but a lot of the like physical things, you know, I think most people, if they ever met me or something like that, would be like, wow, this wouldn't think that, right? Or think that's where I was in my life. And I kind of like that. Because I don't, I don't want to show up somewhere and everybody's like, oh, you know, you become everybody's best friend and shit, right? That kind of stuff. That like celebrity life of things. That's not for me. I don't, I don't care for that. Hmm. I have to try to stay. I mean, obviously in our businesses, we got to do stuff like this and we do news appearances and things like that and magazines and all that interviews and stuff like that but once i leave my office and i take that hat off i'm just jason miller that's it right i'm jason miller out with my wife and my kids and we're having a damn cheeseburger and fries somewhere just chilling right <laughs> you know and if you can if you can separate those two things, it makes life really simple. Mm. And, you know, I don't necessarily believe there is a such thing as work-life balance. I think they're just intertwined together, no matter what. And you have to learn how to justify each side's existence to where they're kind of equal, right? Mm. They're not really balanced, but they do run on an equal playing field because one supports the other. But uh, what happens is a lot of people take the chaos from one or the other. And then, you know, that's what people like to say, you know, you got to have this balance of work and life. They're one in the same, mm. right? So you just have to learn how to shut one off, turn it on. It's like a light switch. And you learn how to do it. Eventually, some it takes longer than others and, you know, baseball bats to the back of the head. <laughs> but, but some do it better than others. But it's something we should always be working to do better at, you know. Put the device down. Pay attention when your kid's talking to you. Guilty of it too, right? So it's like, son, I got to take this call. Really, you didn't need to. You could have let it fucking ring. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But that's where that whole passion and purpose stuff gets involved. And, and sometimes you just got to go, look, I'm just not going to deal with that right now. That shit can wait till tomorrow. So. So it sounds like good boundaries is an important piece. It sounds like prioritizing is a big piece of what you've, of how you've created what you've created. Do you, do you feel fulfilled in your life? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if, if we ever like completely feel that, right? Because we, no matter what, we always want something better, right? And better doesn't always mean money. It doesn't always mean, you know, I want to do better 
for my kids this week, right? I want to do better and make sure that I make it to all of their events, not just two of them, right? So fulfillment, that's a subjective question. Mm -hmm. And one person's what they feel fulfilled on, there's always an empty spot somewhere else, no matter That's, I mean, I, I can say that just for myself, you know? Is that how it's been for you? It's kind of like when you sort of achieve fulfillment at one place, there's another yeah, I place mean, you find I, a thing. Look at, I look at it this way. So I closed my military chapter of my life, right? But that's still, there's a hole there. Why? Because it was a huge chunk of my life. And I still have one or two people that are a part of my life from that. But there's still a hole for all those guys that, you know, I lost. Or so there's no sense of fulfillment because they're not still in my life anymore. Right. Hmm. So there's always going to be that little gap there for me, no matter what. And can you get through those things? Yeah. You learn to compartmentalize them and shove the demons in the box and keep moving out. Right. But that's what you do. Yeah. That's totally what I teach my clients how to do. I'm just like, oh, whatever is whatever you're struggling with, just, just put it in a box and then we're going to, it's going to. That was me joking, by the way. Well, funny story. (laughs) I got a funny story about that. So I was in Mexico uh, three or four weeks ago. And I get a call from a really good buddy of mine. He's like, man, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Right? And I thought, fuck, what am I going to tell this guy from Mexico? What's going to matter? right?" And I, I made this shit up in real time. I don't even know where the hell it came from. Hey, brother, look. So we all got a box in our head, right? That's what it is. It's a box in our head. And there's a key sticking in that box. And as you move around in life, right, it jiggles around, moves around, all this stuff. And and eventually that key jars the box open, right? And the box come open and the demons come out and, and so on and so forth. So what you got to learn how to do is keep the box closed and put the key somewhere where you can't reach it, right? That way the box will never come open when you're jiggling it around. Put the key somewhere where you can't find it. And for whatever reason, I don't even know if that made sense or not, but, but it did to him for whatever reason. And he's doing great. I mean, it's just, he called me a couple weeks or a week ago and he's like, man, that whole box in the head story. I was like, dude, I just made that shit up on the fly. <laughs> he was like, well, I don't care. It made sense to me. I was like, great. Cause that doesn't really make all that much sense to me what I said, but. but well, it's, it's probably the tactic that's worked. That's worked best for you. I mean, you've mentioned this like multiple times. So compartmentalizing is, is a, is a natural skill of yours. That's a gift. And you've, you've, you've used it to your advantage. For me, I can't lock that shit away. I don't have the same like structure in my system to where I can put one thing in one section and it won't bleed into the rest. And for me, in, in my field, if there is something that is being pushed away and locked there, obviously, you know, do what you need to do in the moment. But then at some point, as you have time and space for it, we go into those boxes and we, you know, very slightly at your own pace kind of reopen little bits or just let, you know, take a peek, put it away again to the point where we can work through what is in that box such that you don't have to compartmentalize it anymore. Right. Yeah. 
it is worth, uh, and not everybody wants to do that and, you know, it might be your thing or it might not, but it is worth noting that like what you're talking about with fulfillment is very common. Is this how it's very commonly held? There is actually a place where you can sit in actual fulfillment, regardless of regardless of what you have. But it's an inner it's an inner shift, right? I mean, people are looking outward for it. They're creating more businesses. There, if I have more money, that'll be fulfilling. One more yacht, just two cobras. It was really two cobras. One wasn't really wasn't really sufficient. You know, you need a geo tracker. <laughs> Honestly, look, dreams take sh- all shapes, <laughs> all shapes and forms. <laughs> Damn it, if I just had a 98 to match my 97. <laughs> I'm going to get you one. I'm going to get you one and have it delivered to your house. It's going to be like, what the uh, fuck? oh, fucking Domini. Now I've got two geo trackers. Uh, they have to have more children so they can drive them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it isn't very commonly known either. You know, there's like coping mechanisms, which the compartmentalizing is, and it's useful, especially with traumatic shit in your past, right? So it's a really good, really good skill. Problem is when it goes on default and you don't know you're compartmentalizing or you can't access part of your heart, let's say, because you've put so much of your brain in one place or that that type of thing and it starts to impact your life. Oh, no doubt. I call it the your give a damn's busted effect. Because <laughs> you just stop giving a shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You stop caring about stuff that you just months ago you were really passionate about. And I've found myself in that place sometimes. And you got to try to quickly move yourself out of those spaces as fast as you can because once they get a foothold, Man, they'll mess your life up. Real I mean, bad. even even recognizing them, as you say, is 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 tough on its own, right? Yep. Do you know and why that happens? That suddenly you have the the I don't I don't give a shit because so if you have your emotional spectrum is like this is as much pain as you can handle down here and as much pleasure as you can handle up here, and you shut off the pain because it's fucking painful, right? You're not you're not an idiot, and you can so you shut that down. Well, when you shut down this much emotional range, what you're actually doing is saying no to a certain like amount of life force. You're like, okay, I'll feel that part of life, but I won't feel that part of life because that part hurts. And as you shut down, it shuts down on both ends, not just the painful. Yeah. So the whole thing, and then your emotional range gets really narrow and then you're in that place of like, you know, what the fuck ever. Or like, life is, life is good. (laughs) Well, it's like, life is fine. And then, then you sort of make stories like, well, this is all you can expect from life, right? Things are as good as they can't, or like, whatever. We sort of like justify because really you're just like, Where the f- I'm not, I can't fucking feel anything. I miss feeling things. Right. Business owners suffer from this really bad too. I think so, yes. Working with a lot of business owners and, you know, they've been in that grind for like 15 years, right? And they're just still grinding it every Wearing that badge of honor that they're grinding. It's like, why? Why are you doing that? that badge getting heavy yet? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. But the mentality with a lot of people is the harder I work, the bigger reward I'll get. And that's not true. Really isn't. Yeah. That is the biggest fallacy that you can let people put in your head is that if I work more hours, I will get a bigger reward someday. (laughs) Gonna be waiting for a long time because you can't handle all of that at one time. And 
it's just the truth is we can only do so much at one time. I definitely don't believe in multitasking. I think it's complete bullshit. It has it has been mis- misproven, right? It can't be done because the synapses in the brains don't work that way, right? I mean, I've tried it and you can't really do it. Um, hell, but Jesus, I can barely chew bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to circle back to that. We'll circle back to that. <laughs> I'm probably not the best case. <laughs> How many businesses do I own, honey? <laughs> is it 12 or... Th- anyway, fucking somewhere around there. I don't even know. <laughs> we run businesses, you guys. We have it all together. Uh, that's it. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> when they have these things called general managers. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I'm looking to hire. I'm like, where's my C? Where's the, the COO of my dreams. <laughs> this is what I'm. This is what I'm seeking at this point. <laughs> uh, my best one of my, I call him Doctor Phil. Right? He's uh, he's into the energy coaching and all that stuff. Right? And most people don't know that about me. Is I kind of like Doctor Phil. Right? I'm kind of a fan. Of Dr. Phil. Yeah. It's okay. This, this is a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, until it goes on the internet. Right? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what those assholes will do with it, but you're safe to begin the moment. <laughs> so, so my COO, I call him Dr. Phil because he's always Dr. Phil in all of That's what I say. Stop <laughs> Dr. Phil in me. <laughs> but he's really, really good at it, right? And he gets in my head sometimes, and, he, and I don't even know he's doing it, right? And then I realize that finally, I'm like, stop Dr. Phil and me. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, business is just a chaotic place, and we've got to, we have to learn how to juggle all those things and spin all those plates and do all those things. And that stuff gets heavy after a while. Yeah. And and it doesn't take that long. I mean, you take a startup founder that's in it and and is just bootstrapping it and just, you know, nugging it out every single day, you know, not practicing money phasing at all and and just just hammering it, hammering. It. And all they're doing is watching that goalpost just move farther away, right? And they're not making any money. And that goalpost just seems to go farther and farther, farther away. And that is a really crappy place to be. And that's when it starts like breaking down your psyche and it starts to just hit you in the chest. Then it starts to affect your family life. And then everything falls apart and you end up buying a court. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at least you got at least you got a car at the end of it. Could be, could be, could be, could be worse, I suppose. I suppose. Can you get the car? Can you get a Corvette at all without a midlife crisis? Is the real question. I'm not talking classic. I'm talking like new. You know, the last sort of like five years. Well, I mean, money's money. Anybody go out and make a bunch of money and buy a Corvette? No, but do they? I was wondering who who on the road in the Corvette has not had a mess, not in the midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Although my godmother and her husband, her husband one day bought this massive truck. I mean, they weren't like farmers or anything. It was just this huge fuck off truck. I mean, four doors, you know, extended cab. It was absolutely massive. And she wanted to get a, a 
license plate for it that just said my ego. <laughs> I remember she was like, I want to get this license plate and see if it's gonna if it's gonna work or not. It was just it was very large. It's very yeah. large. I don't so. know, that's a good question. I, I'm gonna start asking people when I see <laughs> you should. Yeah, I'd like to see the research. <laughs> wow, nice car. So how how was your mind state while you were <laughs> while you were yeah, were you feeling like good, abundant, feeling great? Yeah. Happy about where your life is? <laughs> How old were you? Just taking some research. I'm just looking. <laughs> uh, you can answer these 15 research questions. <laughs> Before we go out for a beer, that'd be great. <laughs> and you're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> because clearly you can. I drive a fucking Geo. I can't afford to buy drinks. <laughs> yeah, right. Now we're coming down to it. This is the real reason for the Geo. All right. You got okay. it. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. Um, one man's Corvettes, another man's Geo. <laughs> it's not about the outward manifestation. It's about that inward impulse. That's where we find the universal, yeah. universal common experiences. How about the hedonic treadmill? Do you ever hit that? Where you like keep you getting things get better and better and you just, the more you have, the more you want. I think we have points in life that everybody gets on that. Oh, I love it. Tell me more. Everybody at some point in life is on that. And then it's how you figure out how to break free off of it. Mm. Right. And oftentimes it takes the people around you to club you on the fucking head with a big <laughs> And we're back to collaboration. See, there's like multiple, multiple pieces of this. Uh-huh. Right? So because we're all gonna get there at some point. It's a human. Why does a gerbil run on a circle? Right. Because it's what their brain is trained to do, right? It's yeah. not because they're like, well, shit, Sally, I'm going to go If I, a little bit further, I'm almost there. <laughs> Hold on. I'm almost there. <laughs> right. I'm getting out of this cage one way or another, right? <laughs> Day, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's great. But then it takes Mama Sally to come up and whisper in his ear, Bob, you're not going anywhere. Sweetie, honey. <laughs> Sweetie, I, I, know, I know you're running. I know you're running. I just want to point out that you're actually in the same place that you were <laughs> this morning. I just want to, honey, can you, honey, you hear, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's go get a cheeseburger and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and just pull them off the wheel, right? Pull them off the treadmill. It's so important, though. Every phase, though, you're right. The, the team makes all the difference because you're still a person. You're still going to do, not still a person, like you stop being a person when you start a business. But like, it kind of seems that way sometimes, even as a leader, it's like you have these people to like do checks and balances and re-inspire and clarify and get you off the fucking hamster wheel. Well, and you think about it, right? You don't know the hamster wheel exists until you step about a hundred feet away from it and go, holy shit, that's a hamster wheel. Yeah. Right? And now you clearly see it and go, oh, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Before 15 years of grinding hits. Right, right. And now you have the opportunity to, you know, move back into innovation mode, you know, be the guiding North Star for your company or just be a life thing, whatever, whatever it is, right? But everybody gets on that wheel at some point. And I've been on it several times. Yeah. Several times, lots of failures. It's just part of it, you know? If anybody would just ever tell me, oh, yeah, man, I knocked it out of the park the first time. 
I'd be like, you are full of shit. <laughs> I will never hire you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it's, I mean, I'm sure it's possible. It's not that it's not possible, but it's highly unlikely, right? That because, I mean, unless you are from the get-go uh, surrounded by the exact right people, all the conditions are perfect, which never is. But to just Cause, not because what does that because what does that even mean, right? Even if you I like make a lot of money, word. right? Ex- exactly. I have a whole episode about this. Actually, it's like you can't actually even define that word, and yet yeah. people are chasing most it. Us, most of us don't even know what it looks like anyway. Right? Yeah. What does success look like? Well, if I went back 10 years from today, my definition of what success looked like would be different than what it is today. What would it have been then and what would it be now? Well, so if I go back 10 or 15 years, it was all about how do I hit the top, right? What was the top for you? How do I hit the top? How do I create enough wealth to, you know, be sustainable for the rest of my life? do it fast so I can retire like quickly. Good job on that one. Well done. Right. Just then I realized. (laughs) 14 businesses later. (laughs) Right. But but there was a realization along. And that was, and then what? Mm. Right. And then what? And then what? And then what? And then what? So you hit. So I stopped like putting a cap on myself. Right. I stop putting an expectation of a cap of like, well, if I get here, man, it's all good and I'm done, mm. right? So I stopped putting these caps on things and I just really took the mentality, what's next, right? And then what? And what's next? And then what? And what's next? And what's next? And what's next? And what's next? And and it comes down to today, it's exponential growth as a human, right? Mm. Right? Exponential growth as a human to where I can now help other people, which is my mission, is to help other people. Look, it takes a ton of money to be to do philanthropy work, right? It takes a lot of money to do the things that you want, whether they're philanthropy, whether they're Whatever it is, it takes a lot of money to do all that. But that's always been my goal was to serve veteran, you know, the veteran space. That's my thing. And that's my end then what, (laughs) right? And I will never put a cap on myself or a ceiling on myself. I'll probably never retire. I've done that three times. (laughs) So I stopped trying to do that. Uh, because I was always you're a failed you're a failed retiree. <laughs> a failure, right? So because then my mind was always like, well now, mm. now what am I gonna do? Right? I mean, there's only so much fishing you can do. <laughs> well, I also think that there's like an idea of what retirement means. Like to me, it kinda as you're speaking, it kinda sounds like you are retired and this is how you desire to spend your retirement. Yeah, but I just don't want to look at it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll let that go. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. I mean, just in that the life you're living is very voluntary, which is really yeah. what people mean when they say retirement is I don't have, I will stop having to do what you tell me to do and I get to do whatever the fuck I want to do, which oftentimes is fishing. But for you, it's like, I'm going to build 13 kick-ass businesses. 
Yeah. Because that sounds like fun. I also think, you know, we have to, we have to have something that makes our blood move. Mm. You know, I think it's good to, you know, you hit something that challenges you and then you get pissed off. And that's all the stuff that like keeps us alive, right? I think, you know, compared to you look at somebody that's in a nursing and it's like, wow, no. <laughs> yeah. I would rather fall off a horse on a cliff and die, right? <laughs> that's an awesome death. You know, kidding? I mean, that's, that's better than dying in a nursing home with a choking on a plastic spork. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I was planning on going. So (laughs) I don't appreciate your judgment there. (laughs) Uh, But but no, I think we, we all need to, I mean, I need to have like a sense of excitement in my life and not just in my personal life, right? Yeah. I have to have a sense of excitement that I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part to help the 21 year old, you know, startup founder that thinks they know everything, right? And along the way, you say, I told you so. So you're ready to sit down and listen, right? And now, so you beat your head up against the wall and I let you do that for six months. So you're ready to sit down and listen. Well, if there was nobody there for that that young 21-year-old founder, they would have kept doing that behavior until they failed completely. And then they would have did it again and iterated and iterated and iterated and iterated and kept going and kept going and, and figured it out finally five years later, right? But you don't have to do all that. And, mm. and that's the part I love to do is be that vessel to help people not have to be on the treadmill, right? That and get off that shit, right? You don't have to do that. You don't have to feel like I got to put in my time. No, you don't have to do that. Too many people have already figured this stuff out. Yeah. Why worry about, you know, putting in your time? Time is the most precious thing we have. Why piss it away? Hmm. on reinventing the wheel. So I digress. Great point though. I love that. I think that's super solid. I agree. It's, and it's it's beautiful. I can hear you speak and like I can hear your gift come out. I mean, like the way you contribute to the world by showing people how they can use their time more efficiently by showing people how you can grow, you know, really like how to properly grow and thus save all this time and effort and and life force. And um, that's, that's huge. That's really well, that's a huge impact. How, that's how you keep that or a green, not like dull orange like mine. <laughs> How you keep your soul vibrant instead of the dust bunny that I have still within. It's great. You're <laughs> a beautiful sign. So is there anything else that you want to add here? This has been super, super rich. Any last thoughts that you have for us, either on business or on life or on the combination of the two that you want people to walk away with? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to love what you do. Don't love it so much you make it fail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with the right people and, you know, dream, dream about things, right? When we look at children, right? 
we have to learn how to bring ourselves back into that state of being a child, right? Where, you know, I take something, you know, I take this and I hand it to my daughter and you can just see the dreamy eyes happen, right? <laughs> Get back to that as, as grown up. I mean, try to come back to that place where things are exciting. And, you know, when you interact with people, it's exciting, right? I mean, the world's a little pissed off right now still, but it's up to us to change it. I mean, it's like I tell my son, he gets mad and upset about things or something happened in school. And I'm like, little man, you control your day, buddy, right? Nobody can control your day but you. So the same thing applies in business or in life or any of these things. Don't let others control you. Control what's 100 foot around you and don't worry about the rest. If you do that, you'll at least find some peace every day in yourself. Take a breath, walk out, and go get a cheeseburger and fries. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes, that's really that's this such an important piece both for peace of mind and for for success in every area and for focus, right? Is that releasing that the the goldfish technique that you talked about early on? That is absolutely brilliant. Uh, you meant the cheeseburger and fries. Oh, well, that's also a great idea. <laughs> I'm already making plans for that for after this interview. I'm going to be like, head out. I'm like, she sounds pretty solid. <laughs> so uh, where can people find you? Is there anything that you want to put out where people can go to check you out or support you or learn from you or hire you or all of the above? Yeah, I mean, my hub is www.jasonmiller.bip. That's where all of my companies are. My main company I'm the CEO right now is uh, the Strategic Advisor Board. And you can put it Strategic Advisory because I drove them out of business and bought their domain. (laughs) 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 Perhaps we should should continue the episode. (laughs) Well, everybody always screws it up and they say, oh, it's the Strategic Advisory Board. Mm. No, no, why? So I was like, well, I guess I got to go on a campaign to drive the people that own the Y out of business. That's what I did. Hmm. Well, I didn't drive them out of business. I just drove them to change their name. <laughs> Fair enough. Seeing yeah. the, the other side, the other side of the uh, of the ethical business. <laughs> oh, you know what? You got to do what you got to do, right? Got to do what you got to do. So, but yeah, so at either of those places, all my companies are listed on jasonmiller.vip. There's anything I can do, obviously, to help anyone. Just mention that uh, you're on this podcast, and I would be more than happy to get on a call with you, at least for a few, not everyone. I don't know how big your audience is. But I'd be happy to get on a call with a few people that uh, need some help and give them some guidance to get through some tough times, for sure, in the business world. Thank you so much. That's incredibly generous. So guys, if you're listening, if this is if this has uh, triggered something, if you're looking to hire, it sounds like that's a, a real strength of yours, or to scale your business, you know, Jason's going to take a couple of calls. Let's say maybe the first, maybe four or five max. So if you are interested, hop on there right now and go ahead and mention that you are on this podcast. 
and and hop on a call. It's incredibly generous. I did not know Jason was going to offer that. But as you say, time is is your most important resource. So that's uh, a big deal. And I will say to uh, no expectations at all. Yeah. None whatsoever. Yeah. It's a that's... true, honest, giving call. Best state to be in, honestly. I find my the days without expectation are the are the best days, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate you coming on. I have a blast as always. You had me on your show. I was honored to be included in yours. Couldn't wait to have you on mine and and so glad we we found time for this. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Again, like I always say, we got the same 168 every week. And uh, you know, I was glad to be here for you know, an hour of time. Yeah. Thanks for me on and giving me your out. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. So guys, that's the end of our episode today. I hope that you uh, took a lot from that, both around structuring your team, around structuring your mindset, around entrepreneurship. There is so much to be gained by people who, uh, yes, have experienced a certain amount of success, but also have really maintained the priority that is not the finances, right? The success, redefining success into how you actually feel every day as opposed to what you have in your garage, regardless, I should say, of what you have in your garage because by all means, have <laughs> have a Corvette. I won't really make fun of you, listener, if you drive up in a Corvette. Eh, I might. Uh, it depends. It depends. It depends. But this is, this is what it's about. Uh, and we had a, a phenomenal conversation today around uh, some of what happens behind the curtain. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Dominique Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.